lost his brother a little over a year ago to a really, really freak accident. And sometimes that's the only hope that we have. My wife and I wept and prayed this morning. We miss our son. One day, we have the hope of heaven. I'm thankful for that. Now, doing some yard work yesterday. Some sweet missionary friends of ours, after TJ died, got us a wind chime, and on each attachment it has a, one of his nicknames engraved on it, T and T-Bird and T-Bud. Call them all kinds of names. And uh, just hearing that sound yesterday was just a reminder. One day, one day. Little fella got home from Sunday school one morning and his mom asked him what he learned. <clears throat> he said, well, mom, we learned how Moses went behind enemy lines and rescued all of the people of Israel. And then he had the army engineers build a pontoon bridge across the Red Sea so all the people could cross. And then when the Egyptian tank division started crossing the bridge, Moses called down these dive bombers and blew them to pieces. Mom said, now, son, is that really what you learned? He said, well, no, Mom, but if I told you what our teacher told us, you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> our study today takes us to another story, much like the story of the Red Sea crossing. That is so incredible Really, it's hard to believe, but it happened, and it happened just like the Bible says it happens. And so I want you to join me this morning in the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. See, Judges, put the brakes on, throw it in reverse, back up a bit, and you'll be in Judges. The sixth book of the Old Testament, the sixth chapter, we're going to be in reading in the sixth verse. <laughs> Some of you just got that, didn't you? The sixth book, the sixth chapter, the sixth verse. That was a little freaky to me this morning when I started thinking about that. I don't know what that means. 666? Well, I know what it means. I don't know what it means today. But that's where we're at. The first five verses of Joshua 6 are taken up with God giving Joshua the instructions for the overcoming of the city of Jericho. 
And then in verse 6, beginning with the priest, Joshua begins communicating to them the same thing that God communicated to him. Take up the ark, verse 6, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, pass on, encompass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets. And the rearward came after the ark, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priest going on and blowing the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. Verse 15, it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, Encompassed the city after the same manner, but this time, look, they did it seven times, only on that day, seven times. Verse 16, it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, and that's the story at the beginning of the book of Joshua, great story, you got to go read it and remind yourself of it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in, in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves, this will come in, this will be key next Sunday, and ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout, look at this church, that the wall fell down flat. 
So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took, they took the city. Now here's what you need to know about Jericho. The walls of that city wrapped around it like a, a coat of armor. Two concentric circles. The outer circle, the outer wall, was some 20 feet high. It was about six feet thick. The inner wall was 30 feet high. It was 12 feet thick. As for the inhabitants, they were ferocious. They were barbaric. They withstood all sieges. They repelled all invaders. They were practitioners of child sacrifice. They were the most ruthless tyrants on the plains of Canaan. That is, until Joshua and the children of Israel showed up. That is... Until the day that the bricks cracked and the boulders broke. Until the day that everything shook from the king's knees to the molars of the soldiers. And that unconquerable fortress met the unstoppable force. And Joshua, or excuse me, Jericho, crumbled. And here's what you need to know about Joshua. He didn't fight the battle of Jericho. And I know what the song says. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. You know that? I know the song says that, but Joshua, listen. Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho. God did. Joshua never swung a hammer. He never dislodged a stone. He never pried open a gate. God did all of that for Joshua. And I want you to understand this morning, God can do that for you. This story highlights a reality that Christians especially new ones, often struggle with. And that reality is this. The promised land is not Disneyland. The promised land represents our life after salvation. God has taken us out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, so to speak, through the wilderness, across the Jordan. And just when we think all is well, I'm saved, I'm forgiven of my sin, I'm walking in a new life. All of my troubles, all of my cares, all of my worries, all of my problems are going to be gone. And just when we think all is well as a believer, 
we find ourselves staring a Jericho-like obstacle right in the face. And it has proven many, many times to be a more than formidable Maybe your Jericho this morning, that thing, that obstacle that right now is looming the largest in your life and giving you the most difficulty and providing you with the greatest struggle, it may be something within you like fear or anger or lust or guilt or resentment, or bitterness. Maybe your Jericho is something like overwhelming anxiety, or insecurity, or pride, or stubbornness, or selfishness, or greed, or discontentment. It could be that what presents itself as an unconquerable foe in your life right now. Maybe it's negativity, pessimism, complaining, apathy, indifference. You see, to some, their Jericho is something that they have to deal with on the inside. But for others here this morning, maybe your Jericho is something outside of your personality. Some weakness. Some besetting sin. Some habit. Some addiction. Maybe your Jericho this morning is a relational issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. But regardless of what it is, there it is. And it looms as large in your life today as Jericho loomed in the face of Joshua and those he was leading. And it's like it taunts you. And it screams at you to go back into the wilderness. You have no place here. You can't win. There's no way that you can go forward past this point. These things, whether they are within you or outside of you, listen to me, they must be conquered if you're going to enjoy God's best for you. If you're going to go to the next level of spiritual growth, then your Jericho must fall. I'm convinced today that God wants us to live in a place spiritually where there is grace for every guilt, strength for every struggle, hope for every despair. And with His help, we can. Note I said with his help. Why do we need God's help? 
Because, like the battle of Jericho, that inner battle that you're fighting today is a spiritual battle. You will not win it by your own force. You will not overcome it by your willpower or by your determination. Because the truth is, if you could overcome it on your own, you would have already done it. The book of Hebrews says that by faith, believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Faith is spiritual. Do you hear me today? Every battle that you and I fight is at its root a spiritual battle. Listen to this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul said, our fight is with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Here's what that means. Your enemy is not the people around you who you can see. Your enemy is not your spouse. It's not your ex-spouse. It's not your children. It's not your parents. It's not your neighbors. It's not your friends. It's not your boss. It's not your coworkers. Your enemy is the devil. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. What does that mean? That means it's like I said, it's not determination, it's not willpower, it's not brute force. Our weapons in this battle that I'm presenting to you this morning are not of the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty, he said, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Note that phrase, strongholds. Just as the Canaanites erected a physical stronghold in the land that stood in the way of Israel's progress, so Satan erects spiritual strongholds in our minds in an attempt to keep us from moving forward and gaining ground in our walk with God. Now let's understand what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a mindset that holds you hostage. A, a, a stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable even though that situation is contrary to the will of God. Satan loves to make himself at home in people's minds to the point that he is able to convince them that they are hopelessly locked into a situation and that they are powerless to change. 
Regardless of what God said in his word, regardless of what promises God's word presents to us, Satan loves to convince us that you can't change. And that your situation will never change. Well, my grandpa was an angry man and my dad was an angry man and all my uncles are angry men, so I can't do anything about it. That's not true. My grandma was negative and my mama was negative and all her sisters are negative and stop it. Stop it. Look at the person next to you this morning and say, stop it. Come on now. Stop thinking that way. Stop it. The reason a person thinks that way is because Satan has established a stronghold in their mind. And he has convinced them that their situation is unchangeable. Even Listen, even though that situation is, is contrary to God's will. Their language betrays their stronghold. I can't change. I can't get out of debt. I can't live for the Lord. I can't stop smoking. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop taking these pills. I can't stop cussing. I can't stop lying. I can't forgive. I can't get out of this fact. Listen to me this morning. That is the devil. The only reason a Christian says I can't when the Bible says I can is because Satan has established a stronghold in their mind. God could never forgive me. That's a stronghold of guilt. Well, I'll just never be able to forgive them. That's a stronghold of resentment. Nothing good ever happens to me. That's not true. That is not true. The devil has convinced you of that. So he can keep you bound in the stronghold of self-pity. Well, I just have to be in charge if anything's going to go right. No, you don't. That's a stronghold of pride. I don't deserve to be loved. That's a thought process. It's a mindset that is absolutely contrary to the word of God that says you are already loved. That's the stronghold of rejection. I'll never recover. That's the stronghold of defeat. I'm only as good as I look. It's a stronghold of insecurity. My value equals my possessions. The more I have, the more important I am. That's another lie coming from the father of lies. And it's a stronghold of materialism. But thankfully, oh bless God, thankfully these strongholds can come down. 
just like Jericho came down. And we can live in the fullness and the blessing of God's best for us. And here's how. You ready? Number one, you have to give up and give in. Well, pastor, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it should. That was from last Sunday's sermon. I know all of you remember it. Don't act like you don't. At least act like you do remember it. Make me feel good. You got to give up and give in. That goes back to the end of Joshua chapter 5. Look at it real quick, would you? I'm not going to re-preach the message, but I want to read this real quick. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there, was a, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our enemies? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the host of the Lord am I come. And Joshua fell down on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, Look at this, What saith my Lord unto his servant. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy foot, uh, thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So Joshua sees this man. He, he's got a sword in his hand, and it's drawn. And so his first question is this, Hey, Whose side are you on? Are you on my side? Or are you on their side? And his answer was, no. Well, you don't understand. I said, are you on their side or are you on my side? He said, no. You know what he was saying? By the way, that is what we call a, a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And you know what Jesus was saying there? Son, listen to me. I didn't come here to take sides. No, no, I came here to take over. Jesus was telling Joshua, listen, you need to step aside, son. I got this. I'm not not coming to fight with you. I'm coming to fight for you. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life and in my life, he wants to take over every part of our life, including our battles. But in order for that to happen, we got to give up and give in. Preacher, what do you mean? I mean this, we've got to give up control and we've got to give in to his lordship. And let me say this, as long as Joshua saw Jericho, he couldn't see Jesus. But the moment he saw Jesus, no longer was he focused on Jericho. We need to quit living consumed by our Jericho and start living obsessed with the Lord's power and with his presence. God, help us to get our eyes off of our Jericho and to get them on Jesus. And may we see Jesus the way that Joshua saw him. He saw him standing there with his sword drawn. He wasn't there as some passive 
observer of what was about to take place. He's not like millions of people in 2019 who when something big is about to take place or something big is taking place, even if somebody's getting hurt, they got their phone out. And they're filming it. And they're going to put it on Facebook for the whole world to see. No, 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 no. Jesus was standing there with his sword drawn. What does that say? He was saying this to Joshua, son, I'm here to fight for you. Jesus is willing to fight for us if we'll give up and give in. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Secondly, we must put Jesus in the center. I don't know if you picked up on the position of the Ark of the Covenant as they marched around Joshua. Can I just say this? If details are included in the Bible, they're included in there for a reason. If the order in which these people march is in the Bible, then it's significant. Let me show you. The Ark of, of the Covenant, just, just look at it real quick, verse 8. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets. And the rearward, or the rear guard, came after the ark, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. So here's what we have. We have armed men, we have priests blowing trumpets, we have the ark of the covenant, and we have more men who are armed. The ark of the covenant was right in the middle of it all. In verse 8, it's called the ark of the, or verse 7 it's called the Ark of the Covenant. It says the Ark of the Covenant went before them. In verse 8, it says the Lord went before them. Well, preacher, which was it? Yes. Listen to me. They put Jesus right in the center. In every situation, you need to be asking yourself, how can I put the Lord in the center of this? And make that your first thought, not some afterthought. How can I put God in the center of my marriage? How can I put God in the center of my parenting? How can I put God in the center of this family problem? How can I put God in the center of my finances? How can I put him in the center of my business? How can I, how can I make God the center of these decisions? And as you begin to allow more and more of God in your life, you begin to open yourself up for more and more of His power to stand against those strongholds that Satan has been able to erect in your mind. I heard a preacher recently refer to this as marinating your mind in truth you grill masters out there of which I am not 
you get marinating. Now, you won't share your recipe for that stuff you soak it in, but it's good. You marinate those steaks or whatever it is. He called it marinating your mind in truth. Well, what is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus said this, Your word is truth. So what you and I need to do is we need to get more of God's word in our life. And however you can do that, do it. Read it. Sing it. Listen to it being sung. Listen to it being preached. As a matter of fact, I want to present you this morning with this challenge. I want to challenge you this morning. For the next 30 days. To put more of God's word in your life. Now listen to me. Turn off that music at home and at work and on your way to work and on your way home that doesn't glorify God. Turn it off. Turn, this is going to, now listen, this is going to be a stretch for some of you. Turn off talk radio. That's nothing but angry arguing. When you get home, don't turn the news on. It's more of the same. And do everything that you can to replace those things with truth and marinate your mind in truth and see if that doesn't make a difference. I promise you that it will. Because Satan cannot loiter where God is praised and he will not linger where truth is declared. Did you get it? Satan, Satan, the devil, the one who is your enemy cannot loiter where God is praised. And he will not stay around long where God's truth is declared. Hallelujah. Listen, we got to give up and give in. We got to get Jesus in the center. And here's my last thing today. Don't give up. Don't give up. In all of my attempt to find an answer to how big Jericho was, the, the, the most popular opinion and the thing that I could find is, is that it took up anywhere from six to nine acres. Now, let you know what that is. If you were to go in the back of the building here, there's a curb back there. If you start there and go all the way back to Walnut, and then you start over here on Clay and go to the west until you see some poles that are there, there are two or three poles that are lined up there, that's five acres. And so just imagine in your mind the children of Israel walking at the most an area that was twice that large. Now that's not an extraordinary long distance. But imagine walking it without saying a word. And then you go back to your tent without any visible sign of progress. 
And then imagine doing it again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Six stinking days of walking around this city listening to those obnoxious ram's horns and not able to say a word and going back to your tent with that Jericho still looming in front of you. No measurable results. Can you imagine what must have been going through the minds of those people? Why are we doing this? Nothing is changing. When will things be different? And that's not unlike the thinking of people who are encountering some spiritual stronghold in their life today. They're wandering in their mind. Will things ever change? Will anything ever be different? Will victory ever come? And because they don't see change as quickly as they would like, they give up. Understand this. That stronghold didn't just pop up in your mind overnight. It got there over a period of time as you bought into the devil's lies and developed this mindset that nothing can change. That everything will forever be the same. That there's no hope. Come on now, it didn't just pop up one day. And listen to me this morning, it's not going to fall overnight. You're not going to go to work tomorrow and turn on KJIL and, and not listen to that music and not listen to Rush and, and get home and you're not going to watch Fox News and you're going to read your Bible and you're going to pray and you're going to expect by the end of the day that whatever it is you're facing is going to be gone. It won't happen. I'm just being real with you today. All right? You got to stay after it. Day. After day, after day, after day. Listen, the only hope for spiritual victory is to do what you know is right to do and do it consistently for as long as it takes. For as long as it takes. Found this interesting. Joshua never told the people how many circles they were going to have to make around Jericho before the walls fell. He knew because God told him. <laughs> but he never told the people. All he told them was do it again. Do it again. And get this, on the last day, 
They marched around the city seven times. And I think that teaches us this morning that sometimes, listen to me, sometimes the longer the battle goes, the more you have to give. The longer this struggle continues, the, the, the more you're going to have to fight. And the reason you have to give more is because often late in the struggle, after not seeing any results, is when we're tempted to quit. But six months and I did what that preacher said to do, and I'm still here. Keep walking. Don't quit. Don't give up. It's later in the battle when frustration and disappointment and doubt really start to take their toll. Can I get a witness right there? Maybe that's where you're at right now. You're a good ways into the battle. And the honest truth is I haven't said anything to you today that you don't already know. And you're still struggling. With something inside of you or something outside of you listen our Joshua Jesus Christ hasn't told us how long it would be before we see our stronghold come down he's just told us to keep walking get up Monday morning and walk and get up Tuesday and walk. And get up Wednesday and walk. And walk and walk and walk for as long as it takes for your Jericho to fall. Because the truth is, this may be you one day. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. It came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Hallelujah for the day in your life when those walls fall. But until then, until then, just keep walking. As hard as it is, just keep walking. Does a stronghold have a stronghold on you today? As Virginia goes to the piano and starts playing, here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Dear preacher, you're loud today. Listen, listen, I am so burdened for some people right here in our own church and whose lives a stronghold that has a strong hold. And I prayed for you today. And I want to encourage you this morning. If this message resonated with you, I want to encourage you today to come and take the first step to victory, which is defeat. That's right. Yeah, I want you to come today and on your knees before God, I want you to say, God, I give up. I give in.
I cannot do this on my own. And you admit to the Lord today from your mouth that you've not been able to overcome your guilt or your anger or your bitterness or your lust or your addiction or your worry or your fear or your negative spirit or your I don't care attitude. You just can't get out of the funk. You come before the Lord today. And you start on the road to victory by giving up and giving in. And then I want you to think very hard about what you can do to bring Jesus into the center of your situation. And then some of you today need to come and just pray, God, help me to take one more step. God, help me to do it one more day. Because listen, you don't know when that Jericho is going to fall. You come as I pray, Father.